Father, we just thank you that you have credited us with the righteousness that was gifted to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. In him there was no sin. He knew no sin and he did no sin. Yet he took our sin and was punished for our sin. Each and every one in this room here today, all our sin and our lawless deeds was punished on your body. That we, each and every person in this room, that we will be declared the righteousness of you because you said so. Not because of anything we did. This is your saving grace. By your unmerited favour, you did us a favour. You punished our wrongdoing on the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you gave us the credit as if we did everything right like Jesus. It is almost too good to be true. But it is true. And this is your word. And in your word, we all together say amen to your word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thanks, Josh, for uh, commenting on the other end of my body that most people usually say about the other end of the list. So that's okay. Thank you so much. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. They're my shoes. I hope you like them. And also hope, pray that we are blessed with the word today. I just, I just, I just want to say thank you. I've, I've got to say, Mike, it is always a pleasure to see you in the house. I always think there's an essence of wisdom when you're in the house and I just pray that you are blessed. Now you've been through some, some challenges, my friend, but I just pray the grace of God just overwhelms you and blesses you immensely. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And so good to see some new faces, almost like a reunion. Michelle, thank you. And Darren and Sharon, we saw you at Dungog show last night. Welcome back. It's, it's almost like a mini reunion, so thank you. My name is Brian and my uh, calling, if you like, is to bring the Word of God based on New Covenant ministry. New Covenant. That is correct. There will be no motive to bring to you the living of an old covenant that has been done away with by a sacrifice of a man by the name of Jesus Christ. We are going to cover some Old Testament scripture today that is specifically designed for us to understand that whatever judgment you see in this scripture has been done away with. And as you... Hear some of those words in the songs. It is grace 
for grace. There is no judgment. Our Heavenly Father looks down on you as if you have not made a mistake. I know for some of us that is very, very difficult to receive. That's also very difficult to say that somebody else paid a great price for things that we've done wrong. Even for things that we don't know we will do wrong tomorrow and the next day and the next. But God has already dealt with it, praise God. And we have been blessed with the truth of knowing that one man paid a great price for that, that we should live in a freedom of knowing that we will never, ever have to pay a price for our wrongdoing. Can I have a good amen on that? Amen. amen. Okay. Title today's uh, word, familiarity versus intimacy. And it's to do with your own relationship with Jesus. If those songs mean anything or as you read the word, they mean anything to you. There is a dividing line, ladies and gentlemen, between what you know and how you take what you know and live in accordance with the great price that has been paid for our freedom. And so we're going to read a little bit of the word about knowing that hundreds and hundreds of years before the event actually happened, that there was a prophetic word given right down to the very day. That is how accurate our Bible is. 500 plus years before the very day occurred, it was written about a certain time. And this is all part of God's great love for his people. We'll read about his main concern initially was about his, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people, and his great love poured out to redeem them and to bring them back to a position where they didn't have to earn his favour. But unfortunately, the hardness of their hearts resulted in them thinking that they deserved favour based on what they were doing and they missed, oh, they missed their opportunity. Missed it, big time. And it's here in the Word to see for all of you. And how you take that, I pray earnestly over you knowing that you are the righteousness of God that a great gift has been given for you to receive if you are willing to receive that and to incorporate that into your life you will see a great message from our heavenly father through the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ given to you and to me to receive to live a life far in excess of what you and I can do on our own merits, if you are willing. But I pray that it blesses you greatly and that you take this away. Today is like the halftime speech of a game of football. Okay? Take it, go out and live with it if you choose. But I pray that you do. Okay. So this is a story, it, uh, it, it's going to cover a little bit of Old Testament as I mentioned, but it starts off with knowing full well that prophetically through the book of Daniel that a vision was given to Daniel who was a consistent prayer. Israel had gone into 
uh, exile and, and capture because of their failure to obey uh, a time of rest with God. And God says, well, that's got to be paid for because you didn't choose to rest when I gave you the instruction to rest. So they were taken by a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar out uh, into Babylon for a period of 70 years. And with that, there was a little fellow by the name of Daniel, and he was a constant prayer, praying about the forgiveness of sins of him and the whole country against God. And it would come to pass that he would be blessed as a result of being given some vision. So if we can have our first uh, passage, thank you, book of Daniel. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who is an angel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. So if it's there for Daniel to understand, the Holy Spirit sees it fit and proper to include it in the Bible so that we understand as well. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Next one, thank you. And after 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince who has come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall come with the flood till the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolation, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out of the desolate. Now, it talks up there about after 62 weeks. We can't show you all the scripture because of time and also um, the amount of verses up there. Okay, so... Daniel was given a pro prophetic word about what was to come in the future. Now, God's time clock, in this case, works on weeks. Now, one week in the Bible talks about a seven-year period. So I'll give you an example. When uh, uh, Jacob went to work for, uh, he was soon to be his, uh, his uncle Laban, the Bible says he worked for one week, which was seven years. Okay. So there was a total, a total period of time through the book of Daniel saying about a 70-week period. So 70 weeks, a week is seven years, so that's a time of 490 years. Between when the command would be given, it would be given after the 70 years that they had actually spent in Babylon... And from that point on, it would be a period of 490 years before the Messiah would come. But the word says uh, that he would be cut off. Okay. So there was a period, it says up there, 62 weeks. There was a, two periods. One was a period of seven weeks. Seven times seven is 49. That's how long it took to actually rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. And from that point on, a further 62 weeks. So quick mass tells us that's 434 years before the time would come when the Messiah would be 
cut off. So we're going to go into Scripture now and have a look at what that actually means. So over 500 years before it actually happened, there was a prophetic word given to Daniel about saying, number one, the temple will be rebuilt. It's going to take 49 years or seven weeks. 62 weeks or 434 years before a specific day. That is correct, a specific day as it's telling us about here. Now, if you've done your maths, you realise that 490 less 483 leaves a seven-week period, which it talks about there. That is, that is still a seven-year period to come. It's time called the Great Tribulation, and it's to do with Israel, but it doesn't really have anything to do because we will not be here to see what happens in that Great Tribulation. We will have been taken up with Christ in the clouds, watching from above as that unfolds. So praise God, that's nothing to do with us. That is for them, okay? So what is that actually day? Now this, if you read also through the minor prophets of things like Nehemiah and also in Amos, it actually tells you even more detail about that. But suffice to say, in the book of Daniel, it's telling us there, prophetic vision through Daniel, that there's going to be a time between now and when Jesus comes, but it uses the term there, 62 weeks, it's 434 years after the rebuilding of the temple, before the Messiah would be cut off. We are now talking, ladies and gentlemen, down to the very day in which this would happen. This is how great God is to know all things in advance. He knows everything about your future, what's going to happen, but he's also laid up for you great blessings if you choose to use them. And we're going to see here how the Pharisees really made a big mistake. Okay, so let's now go, let's roll the clock forward 500 years to this very, everyone will see the day. This is the day that it actually happened. Remember, when you read your Bible, your Bible must interpret the Bible. It must. If it does not do that, then you're going to have man-made opinions on it and it's going to be quite out of the whack. Okay, can we have the next one, please? The, the Yep, the one of Luke, thanks. Okay, and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here and if anyone asks you why are you loosing it, thus you shall say to them because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And, Jesus, and they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, uh, uh, to Jesus, Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes in, on the road. Next one, thank you. Then... As he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now let's just back it up there for a minute. Now this, this, this passage, this particular area I've brought to you on Luke, this is one of those passages in your Bible, ladies and gentlemen. It's actually in all four Gospels. Different parts of the passage. Now, when you read your Bible, when it's in four of the Gospels, red flag it. There are not many of the parables that Jesus talks about that are in each of your Gospels. This is one that is in each and every Gospel. I brought this one here to you now where it says they put Jesus on a cult and it says great multitudes. It says great, which you, you naturally assume it to be just all different people. That's not what your Bible says. Your Bible says a great multitude of disciples. In Matthew, it actually says he goes to the temple. It's the children. It's the children. Now, this is the day. This is the day that Daniel was given the prophetic word. This is the day that the king of Israel would enter into Jerusalem. This is the day that was written of. And we're going to see even more scripture to validate what would be said on this day. This is the day Jesus was entering as the king, as the king of his people. But when you read your scripture, what did the Pharisees do? They missed it. The Pharisees missed it. What did they say? The disciples are there saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. But what did the Pharisees do? The Pharisees says, rebuke your men for saying this. And Matthew's talking about the children, the multitudes of children. And what did Jesus say? If they didn't, the rocks would surely cry out. Because this is the day that was spoken. The king has come to save you. Not eternal saving. No, 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 no. This is your day-by-day day saving. The king has come to save you. And he's here for you. Now, what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to repel that and do things in your own way? And expect that you will be blessed according to what you're doing? Well, that's exactly what the Pharisees were saying. Rebuke them, rebuke them. How can you be saying something like that? But Jesus said, if they don't, the rocks are going to crawl out because this is the day that was spoken of. But he answered, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, what happens from there? Jesus says he, he went in. And then he went out and he came back the next day. Now, there's, uh, when you read your scripture, there's a lot of... <sighs> Jesus just ripped into the disciples. Uh, sorry, the, the Pharisees. He ripped into them. That is the passage where it talks about, woe to you snakes and vipers, you brood of vipers. He ripped into them because their heart was not receptive to what he was there to do. Now, when he went into the temple, can we have the, the Matthew version up of what happened? Now, you read about that. That's in Matthew 21. By the time we get to chapter 23, this is what. The people were outside 
praising him, saying, here comes the king in the name of the Lord. Here he comes. But what did Jesus do? This is the day he wept. Can you imagine that? Someone's praising you and praising you. Normally that really kind of gets you going a little bit and you feel a bit uplifted and everything. But what did Jesus do? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall not see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when you read your scripture, you'll say, when he went in, you know the story? He went in and he, and he kicked them out because they were trading in the house. You all know that one? Yep. He said, my father's house is a house of prayer. My father's house is a house of prayer. But he says here, see in verse 38, he says, see your house. Only two chapters early, he's saying, my father's house is a house of prayer. But they rejected him. They fully rejected him. They were in the house thieves, he would call them, because as the people came up, they would offer. If you were rich, you could offer a bull. If you were middle class, you could offer a lamb. And if you were normal society, you would bring in doves. And kids of those days could catch doves, no problems at all. And they would come in and they would offer them to the Pharisees. And it was all about offering something that had no blemish. So what they would be doing, the, the Pharisees would be receiving the offerings of the, of the lower class, the, their doves, and they'd be checking over it and they'd be saying, sorry, this is, not, this, is not, this is not clean enough. This offering from you is not worthy. But we have some birds here if you'd like to buy them so that you can offer them as a clean offering to the Lord. How would he have felt? This is in the temple. They're ripping the lower class society off. The Bible doesn't say he was angry, but we assume that he was angry because he overturned the tables, kicked them out, this is my father's house. It's a place of prayer. But they chose to reject him. When you read, especially in the account of Matthew, there's two full chapters of Jesus just ripping into the Pharisees. They were questioning him. And just as, as the offerings came in the form of bulls or lambs or doves, the Pharisees would, would, would check them to see if there was no blemish on them. So what was going on when he was in the temple, when Jesus was in the temple, the Pharisees were questioning. The Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection would give him a question about this person who, 
who had a wife and he died and then his brother came in to fill his place and she married him and it went on seven times. What would happen to him in the resurrection, they'd ask? But he would rebuke them. Then the Pharisees would come in and say, what's the greatest law? What's the greatest law? And under the law, he would tell them. They would be questioning him. As the Bible would say, they were questioning him and he had no blemish in his responses. But they would not receive him. Scripture tells us they saw him as a prophet, as a teacher. They didn't see him for who he was. They didn't see him for who he was. That was the day. That was the day. Now, the thing about it was that they knew their scripture because they're Pharisees. You can't be a Pharisee unless you know your scripture. In fact, you know your scripture memorized. This was the day for them to receive him. They rebuked him. Other passages say that they were totally displeased at this man coming in, supposing to be their king. But he knew that they knew about the scripture. They knew. And it was right there in front of him. And they rejected him. So Jesus says, well, normally this is my father's house and it's a house of prayer. But you, your house is left to you desolate. And then he went in to tell the story about the great destruction of Jerusalem, which would happen within 70 years after Jesus was died. Now, see that last verse there? It says, verse 39, For I say to you, you shall see me no more until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why would he say that? What's the significance of saying that? And if we start to understand that, we actually start to understand our relationship with Christ. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit, in his wisdom, has put into your Bibles certain words that if you choose to receive them and possess them, you will start to see our Lord Jesus Christ in a completely different light. Now, if we take that verse there, remember when they said when the cult was coming in, they were going, blessed is the, now in this version it says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Other, not versions, but other um, parts of the gospel say, blessed is he, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That can be talking about him, because it uses a capital H, or it can even relate to us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You're declaring that blessing over yourself. I come to you, Father, in my prayer, in the name of the Lord. Now, the reason that this is significant here is that if we look again at a prophetic word given back at the time of David, if we can go to the next one, the Psalm verse, please. Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. He came to the temple. And what did the Pharisees do? They rebuked him and they were greatly displeased. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. They missed that one. It was a big, big mistake. Save now, I pray. This was the day that Daniel had spoken about, the very day that as Jesus had come into the door to the Jerusalem riding on the cart, that, that day, they received him as the king that day and received him into the temple and Jerusalem on that day. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send prosperity now. Yasha, Anna, Yehovah, Yehovah, Anna, Yasha. Save now. Save now. That has got nothing to do with eternal life. Everything that was going on in their life. Bible even tells us that. He'd kick over the tables and say, get out, you bunch of foxes and thieves. This is my father's house. He turned away and walked, and there was a lame person and another person with healing issue, and he healed them both. What a great man to have this so conviction about what's going on here in the, in the bigger picture of the Pharisees, to then turn and to be compassionate on these two people right in front, to heal them both. Save us now. Yasha, Anna, Yehovah, Yehovah, Anna, Yasha. Save us now. Bring your healing to me. Bring your provision to me. Bring, bring it to me. And he was so willing to do it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you'd only received me, I would have stretched out like a hen does over her chicks, which talks of protection, safety, healing, provision, blessing, wholeness, wellness, peace. Save us now, O Lord. Save us now. But they totally rejected him. They said, fine. That's the way you want it. What was my father's house now is your house. And he's telling us, you want to do things your own way? This place is now desolate and it will be ruined. Now, what a great blessing we have in the new covenant. The new covenant, ladies and gentlemen, where unlike here, where it's like spirits on and the spirits off. David said in Psalm 50, 51, Oh Lord, take not your spirit from me now. Don't take it from me now. There's a great difference between having the Spirit on us versus in us. And that's what we have. That's what we have. And that's why the Bible says He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. But under the old covenant, that's what happened. And He said, you want it on your own? You take it. But understand what that's going to mean. So Psalm 80, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's the day for them to receive him so that the full protection of the Messiah could come over them. That was the day and they missed it. Under the new covenant, ladies and gentlemen, the full price has been paid so that you will never, ever have to be concerned about whether the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you or not. 
and the very word that they were given to speak out, they rejected. They rejected it. All the blessings were there for them to receive had they chose to receive. Even where it says, blessed, save, save, it actually means Yesha, which means Jesus. Jesus, save us now. They were given the words to say right there and then. Now, what does that mean to us? Well, it means a lot if we start to see what's going on, not behind the scenes, it's not about that type of discernment. It's just understanding that we're under a better covenant, ladies and gentlemen. We are under a better covenant. A covenant that says, you don't have to worry, I've paid the price for you. I've paid a great price for you. That if you choose to receive that, then you too can receive that word saving, prosperity. Now, don't just start to think that's about money. It includes it. But you can ask for God for prosperity on your travels home. Prosper my journey home. They spoke that a lot. Prosper my journey to this place. Prosper it. Prosper, prosper my workplace. Prosper this. Prosper your relations. Prosper. Prosper means to bring about a wellness of it. Yep, it absolutely includes money. But it's more important to understand the whole picture that he was wanting to give to his people. So his first priority back then was for his people of um, Israel. He said, fine, if you want to reject me, I'm now taking this. I'm taking it to the rest of the world for whoever wants to receive this. God has pre-programmed words in your Bible that if you choose to accept them and possess them, as we were saying a bit earlier, you can actually receive them. Well, I want to read to you. I received... I received the word from someone amongst you. Catch up with a number of people and we just talk about the word of God. I'd like to read it with you because it says in Revelation, by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of testimony, we overcome. Okay. This letter is written with thankfulness of a deep gratitude that I believe only a soul truly saved can experience. I'm speaking of the day-to-day saving. Not my words. Day-to-day saving. The sozo saving. That's the Greek word in your New Testament Bible. Saving. The saving grace, not the far-off eternal saving. So this person gets it. You see, for over 20 years, I had been taught nothing except legalism. And as this was my introduction to God, I knew no different. So the cycle begins. Do this, do that. Keep this, keep that. Don't wear this. And the guilt and condemnation build because you cannot keep these laws successfully. So then you hide them behind a fake Christian persona. Pretty frank and direct. 
because your self-worth has been stripped away due to religious man-made expectations that are totally unattainable. Wow. Then God drew me out to show me a different Jesus. Listen to this. I'd come to church empty, knowing I needed to experience more of him. Yet it was like attempting to eat a meal once a week and expecting it to sustain me for the rest of the week. With a full level of satisfaction until the next week's meal. Now, I don't know about you, but if you try to live off one meal a week, you're doing much better than me. It was not until I started confessing daily my right standing, my right relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus that I began to see his power working in me. With that, my inner person became more hungry, yet more satisfied. Mm. Through your teaching or biblically based, my mind was being renewed of how to believe right. And this biblical truth had been there all the time. It had been with them for over 500 years. And they missed it. I'm a new person. I no longer fear speaking in tongues because I have a new biblical understanding now. I have personally experienced his power and his tangible presence is like no other. You have taught me and now I believe. My righteousness is in him. My worth is found in him. His grace truly is enough. The art of resting in him. So now, rather than having guilt and condemnation residing in me, he reigns with peace, joy, and a real knowing of just how much, how much he loves me. So, Brian, I'm saying thank you for showing me the real Jesus. The Jesus of grace, freedom, and forgiveness, not the Jesus of the law. The real Jesus is power in me. The real Jesus is authority in me. The real Jesus is victory in me. The real Jesus is worthy, and I pray that you get these last few words. The real Jesus is worthy of having relationship with. And I thank you, Kelly, very much.
for that word. If you know her and how she has developed her relationship with Christ, do not go up to her and say, hey, we're great day. Take that for yourself and start developing yourself. No matter where you're at, there is so much more understanding his day-to-day blessing that if you truly start speaking his word, the last scripture very quickly, because what you heard Kelly just speaking of there is this. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. There's your word. And with the mouth, confess. Confession is made to salvation, your day-to-day saving. This is not eternal stuff, ladies and gentlemen. It's your day-to-day saving. There's your evidence in this speaking. Don't take my word for it. I bring you the word of God. You take it. I just pray that it blesses you like it has blessed Kelly because she's taken that and made it real to her. How powerful. How powerful in your day-to-day stuff. If we could have um, the worship team back up, please. I just want to pray of you before I hand this back to to Josh, ladies and gentlemen. We have a great opportunity on a day-to-day basis to receive the finished work of Jesus Christ in our life. And I pray, I just pray that you, however way that manifests itself to you, to take that, and start declaring that over you. Once you start confessing, doesn't matter what's going on in your life. God is not interested. Yep, he's interested in building you up even more. But this is about understanding the real power of what Jesus has done. And let's not be like the Pharisees where it was in front of them. It was in front of them. He was in front of them. And they chose to not receive that. We have a choice. He's not going to leave us. Your sins are forgiven. Past, present, future, they're all done with. Now's the time to open it up and have a great time knowing that we have connection with our God through the blood of Jesus Christ and an opportunity to have a great relationship and to see what that means. Don't care of your circumstances. There is nothing in the Bible that has been more overpowering than what Jesus has done at the cross. Nothing. So you have an opportunity to do that. So with that... If we could all just stand, please. I just want to pray over you and I'll hand it back to Josh. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that by the power of what the name of Jesus Christ has, Father, I just thank you. And I just declare right now over this, over this church right now, Heavenly Father, that no matter what's going on in people's lives right now, they are the righteousness of you because of what Jesus has done. And I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you paid a great price for what what we could have in our life on a day-to-day basis. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you have saved me. Yes, you have saved me eternally, but we thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are interested in our day-to-day living and to see us have a Zoe life, a vitality in our life, like of which we have never experienced because this is a blessing from above. We just receive what you have done Lord Jesus, by faith, 
We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have actually credited us with what Jesus has done, even though we can do nothing to, to earn it. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your great price. We receive that right now in your very name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you said that for the first time, ladies and gentlemen, you are saved by his grace eternally. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, just as Brian said, if you said that for the first time or there was something that connected with that, I encourage you to come down the front after the service or head up to the Connect Lounge and there'll be some guys there to, to talk with you and pray with you. I've also had some words of knowledge. So when we get words of knowledge, um, it's God pinpointing stuff that he wants to see healed and fulfilled. So if any of these ring a bell or there's something... Um, you know someone with this, come down the front. So left arm, that's a dead feeling in the upper part, and upper back pain, kidney issues. Um, also someone suffering from um, insomnia or lack of sleep and also anger problems. So if any of you that that rings a bell with, come down the front. We'll have some team here to pray with you. Um, and let's believe for healing for those things this morning. Just the team pray or play, sorry. I'll pray and then um, just be mindful of the people down the front. You can go grab a coffee, grab your kids, and um, we'll see you next. Thank you, Father, that you are King. We thank you for each person here this morning, God, and we pray blessings over them, God. Lord, as they go into this week, Lord, let us not just be a Sunday Christian, but a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday Christian, God that we can go forward and proclaim your name, Lord, in our workplace, in our school, in our family, God. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.